0: Hello there. We would be
1: honored if you would join us. You're right about one thing, Captain. We are no
0: Jedi.
1: Hello there, and welcome to the Ahsoka Review Podcast. This is one of the little spin off podcasts from our mainstay, Spark of Rebellion. So, my name's Gary, I'm one of your co hosts on the show, and I'm going to bring on my co host mr mark Asquith in just a second and it's great to be having you all listening for a show that's been kicking around on disney plus and in the news and everything for what feels like years i know it's not been years but it feels like it's been out and about for years and it's finally here the feloni led pretty much live action version of rebels i think is the best way to put this show and uh, we're going to be going through episodes one and two as they've been dropped in on disney plus and if you're listening over on Spark of Rebellion, as I said, welcome aboard to you guys as well. These episodes will drop into your feed, so you won't miss anything as well. And if you want to follow along with just the Ahsoka stuff, then you can do that in your podcast app of choice. There'll be a link in the show notes to do that. Or just uh, give, do a search, in your podcast app, or one of the directors for the Ahsoka Review Podcast. And so my name's Gary, I'm one of your hosts. Let's bring on the other dude, the other chap, my co-founder from the Nerd Podcasts dot com uh, podcast network it's mr mark Astrid. if you put his dressing gown on puts his hood on he is the spitting image not palpatine no he's the spitting image of boba fett but with the helmet on if you look from the back you might think oh, it's palpatine it's not it's boba fett with the dressing gown on it's old papa palps mark aswith how you doing dude different
0: fella it? That's
1: Sometimes I get you yeah
0: from behind, they all look good. Just flipping around. <laughs> how have you it. been, buddy? How have you been? Got an helmet, hasn't it? At <laughs> least one. Yeah. Mm. That's how I'm saying it. For last. Finally. Uh, I've been all right, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steady. Steady. Solid. And uh, just Star Wars and binge rebels. Of Thank course. God. Yep. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I went to Costco as well, right? I went to Costco. I've got the old Star Wars, you know, the archive book that goes into all the behind the scenes stuff. Got the mm. original trilogy, one of them. Went to Costco. They've got the prequels one. 13 quid. No vat on that because it's print. Oof. And uh, Tasty. yeah, that's like a massive reduction from Amazon. So mm. uh, picked that up. So I've just started reading that one because I finished the old Red Blade. Um, but otherwise, good man. Yeah, straightforward. You know, I was looking forward to a Ahsoka. Uh, what about you? All good? Been Star Wars in? Been jitsing. Yeah, dude,
1: yeah, finished up the last couple of episodes. Last week on our uh our main show, uh, SOR, we spoke about a list that Disney themselves had put out to watch like the essential episodes for Ahsoka leading up to that landing. So I watched the last couple of those ones which finished up with the episode The Jedi from Mando, which was pretty sweet. It's pretty cool to see Rosario Dawson in the flesh before she gets her own her own show sort of thing. And how she interacted with uh, with with Mando and and so on. So it was really interesting to watch all of the animated stuff and then finish up on that before this. So that was cool. And um, yeah, I've also started the uh, the Red Blade book as well. So I'm two chapters in on that. And agree with your thoughts on that, bud. It's a it's a a great read. Like already, it's a great read. So straight in, isn't it? Yeah, no messing in. Yeah, yeah. no warm up just in sometimes that's cool with a book you know sometimes um it's all right to have a bit of a slow burn to begin with like you know if you want to build build the narrative a bit you know build your you know build your your characters and whatnot to sort of have a bit more impact as you get into the book but there's also nothing wrong with just going you know just diving straight in you know just getting straight into it so yeah i'm liking it so far man
0: good yeah it's It is. It's it's, it's a good little thing. It's, um, like it it sort of, it sort of surprises you because there's nothing in there that's, you know, there's a little bit of mentions of other people and so on, but it's just, it hooks you really, like the characters are really good in it, which I'm, it's not easy to do when you're basically coming up with a heck of a lot of new characters. Um, so yeah, yeah, I know Mm. that's not for now, although it might be, probably not, we'll see, um, a little bit later, but, um, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. We'll chat on that every week, I'm sure, mate. But uh, I'm glad you're into it. Yeah, it's cool. Very cool. Good man.
1: Alrighty, let's crack on and dive into our review of the first two episodes that landed from um from the new Ahsoka show. The first one called Master and Apprentice. And uh we'll we'll get onto a couple of the details, obviously, but um in a nutshell, um, the story kicks off with um the 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 civil war has ended, and it, we're now in the age of the new republic, where with the fall of the of the emperor and, and so on, things are kind of trying to get back to what they were pre um, galactic uh, empire takeover. So the um, the all the planetary systems and whatnot are trying to reform uh, in this new age of peace, I guess. And as a result of that, politically, so Star Wars is very political at times as we know in this we don't dive into that too much but you can tell that politically everything seems to have sort of simmered down uh, but we have these little things going on like um, things that are not quite right you know you can tell that there's a there's an uneasiness in certain areas of things where you've got these little remnants of the Empire still knocking about and people who are supposedly reformed from being you know, on the on the side of the empire, and they have now got normal normal jobs within the new republic and everything. But they still loyal. They're still loyal to the empire, and they show that in a few ways. So the state of the galaxy is kind of at peace. Everything's cool, but there are these things that are simmering away. And one of the other things that's uh, that's simmering away before we get on to Ahsoka herself is um the the new the new baddies uh, that are that are prevalent in them. In in these first two episodes, and that is um, Morgan El- uh, Elsbeth, who um, is back, and she's been rescued by these two um, dark for- force users, dark Jedi. We're, n- we're not going to label them too much at the minute, and um, her quest is to bring back Thrawn, and she knows how to do that. There's a there's a star map that Ahsoka retrieved at the beginning of the episode which is very cool she went off to see sabine wren um because she you knows she's cool at that stuff like you're good you, you can you can sort that so she goes off to do that and that gets unlocked but she gets um uh she gets attacked and the, the map the star map gets stolen etc and then that starts off that kicks off really the, the the thing for the series it feels like where there are like two forks that are gonna sort of converge at some point you have Morgan Elsbeth, um, who we find out is one of the um, descendants or one of the 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 um, the night sisters, Night sisters, and um, so she's after Thrawn. And then you have Sabine, who is still clearly cut up about Ezra disappearing and so on. So she's on a bit of a mission now with Ahsoka to go and find Ezra. Ahsoka's like, well, if we find Thrawn, uh, we'll probably find Ezra as 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 part of that so that's all good but the priority is finding Thrawn because if he comes back that's going to start another war we can't have that blah 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 so that's episode one pretty much in a nutshell and um to kick things off then dude what were your initial thoughts before we dive into a few of the finer details what were your initial thoughts on this as an opener to um to Ahsoka
0: yeah man I I was um I was I was really pleased with this um Actually, I'm going to say it as a Star Wars fan that's watched everything, all right? I was really pleased with it. As a fan, actually, as just someone that's like, oh, what's this new show? I was like, eh, that was all right. So, yeah, this is where, and we'll get to this later, this is where things get really complex, I think, for Star Wars now. Um, But, yes, overall, really enjoyed it. We'll get to the nitty-gritty. I know we'll do the scores, then get to the nitty-gritty. Um, but my first impression, and I think this is going to be the case throughout this series. Like you're going to have to have a fan head on, take that off and stick a casual viewer head on because I don't think any longer Star Wars can happily straddle both. It's becoming very difficult, especially when Falone is involved and that's not a negative. It just is.
1: Mm. Yeah. Good shout dude. And I thought about that, such a coincidence, I thought about that after I'd watched the two of these, and I thought, how have I just enjoyed this? Have I just enjoyed this as a fan? Or have I enjoyed this as, well, three parts of that, I guess. I, have I enjoyed it as just a, your, your average Star Wars fan? Have I enjoyed it as a reviewer who runs a Star Wars podcast? Yeah. Have I reviewed it as a as a a more than your average fan because of all the um, animated shows, books, and and all that stuff that go into it. And uh, yeah, I think overall, I'm same as you, I think I, I was really happy with, more more than anything, the, um, the visual consistency from... Because let's face it, this is pretty much live-action Rebels, as you and I said it would probably be, as we've uh, run up to this over the last couple yeah. of months. So the visual consistency, it does feel like, now that Rebels has ended as an animated show, all we've done is just bridge the gap over to a live action show and we've just carried over all of that stuff which is very cool because they could have had a little bit of creative license there and and have, uh, have uh, put their own take on how things looked within especially on Lothal they, they could have very easily changed that up a little bit and so on but it doesn't it, it pretty much is all as you would expect if you know if you watched the very last episode or whatever of Rebels when they were on Lothal and then you just watched the first episode of this, you were like, shit, you're like, that's a... <laughs> yeah, that's it's pretty almost much, like for like, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. It's like, wow, that's, uh, you know, they've taken, maybe they've taken the animated stuff and use it as a plate and then put the visual effects over mm-hmm. it and so on. That's what it feels like. So I was really happy with that. And uh, should we do a score now then? Should we do a, should we whack a score and Yeah, 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 and, yeah, well, and then get to in? the okay. detail. Yeah. Um, uh,
0: go on, dude. you go first. All right, just for episode one then, so not episode two. Um, I'm just going to go straight down the middle with like a seven. And I know that's not down the middle because five's down the middle, but let's be honest, seven's down the middle, isn't it? <laughs> so, so I'm just going to go with a seven. Um, yeah, yeah, Just because... Yeah. As a Star Wars fan that loves everything, it'd be a nine. Because it's like when you walk into a... You know, it's like when you walk into the Flash movie and you see Keaton on screen. You're like, I don't give a shit what he does. That's Keaton on screen. It's a 10. (laughs) So, but then I've got to sort of deduct a lot for the fact that, is my mum going to enjoy it as much? Because, is is a lot of our enjoyment because it's like, whoa, look at Lethal. Whoa, look at this. Whoa, look at the way she used those lightsabers. So, yeah, it, it, it tears me up to do it, but I think it's got to be a seven. I think it's got to be a seven. It's the show that's conflicting me the most out of everything.
1: Hmm, okay, interesting. So you've gone down the, uh, you've taken off your hat of, you know, deep, deep Star Wars nerd and uh, reviewed it as an origin. So I'm probably going to go a smidge higher. Mine's a seven and a half for me. Um. Uh, just because I'm a... In a similar vein to what you've just said, with enjoying it from a certain point of view. But for me, I think all of the visual
0: details just screamed quality to me. Oh, it was movie budget. I think that's the yeah. key thing about it, man. Oh, yeah. Like, the whole thing looked as good as any of the movies. Mm-hmm. And the oh, effects for sure. yeah. were amazing yeah. and just, Yeah. I'm just it's hard, isn't it? Because I could go wild about it, man. I could be like, "This is amazing," Um and it would be so easy to justify it because it is great. Mm-hmm. And I was blown away because I just watched Rebels. But it's just it's just the average of like the non fan and the fan. If I was going full fandom, it like I say, it'd be a nine, dude. It'd be a nine because it's it starts as Star Wars, the movies, and instantly, well, like instantly, but after like a third of it becomes Rebels aesthetic. And you're like, somehow this has brought together the sequels, the prequels, the OT, the Rebels series, and Clone Wars, and probably Mandalorian at some point as well. Like, I can fair play. (laughs) Well, yeah, it was kind of the the
1: thing that we expected. And I'm pretty sure you and I spoke about this, that we, we thought there would be if you shoved everything into a bag that was essential to, to that bridges the gap between all the Star Wars stuff, like the different eras and the shows and whatnot, that's what they've done. They've they've they said right, what what's the top the top themes and narratives and the interconnectivity that we need to we need to absolutely nail with this one because I think this might be a a bit of a precursor to the Felony film that we've got coming in a year or two so that you whack everything into your bag and then that's your bag of tricks if you like so if you need to even if you need to weave in newer characters like we saw with um uh with with Balin and and Shin and so on even when you weave those guys into it you still need to anchor them somewhere and they did that with the whole um you know the um Hugh Yang droid who was talking to Ahsoka about the He had the lightsabers, like, this one I don't recognise. This one was back from the Jedi Order. Mm. You know, so they they anchor things back. So you can tell it's Filoni reaching into the bag. He's like, don't worry, got some stuff for that. It's all good. you know, and other bits of the story, it's like, don't worry, we've got a bit for that. You know, it's all good. So in terms of the details and how, like you said, how they joined um, sort of various eras and stuff together, for me, that sort of adds on a little bit to the score because... It's got a very different feel to the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian feels, uh, certainly tonally as well, like the Mandalorians we know is a little bit more, um, a little bit darker, I guess, and a little bit more um, reserved in that sort of, you know, you, you could go to an entire different world with, in a Mandalorian episode and only touch very, very briefly on any other lore. And, and little bits like that, whereas this is just like pfft, like everything like you know everything's in there, so yeah, my score's a little bit higher for that reason, but um first thing I want to ask you though is the kind of opening crawl now dude, oh yeah innit? it um that's always a a weird one, isn't it because we're bound to see it on the on the Facebook groups and all that stuff out there. We're bound to see people saying, ahsoka's failed. Because Kathleen Kennedy didn't allow the proper opening crawl with the the yellow font and all that stuff, mate. I love this opening crawl. I don't know what it is like the the. F- I know it's a familiar font that they've used in other things, but that red color and just the music—it's it reminds me of like a really old school '80s kind of fantasy film.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's got that kind of feel to it. Did you get that vibe? But it's yeah. a good
1: setup to the story, though. I think um the, the the shows that didn't have it now feel like it's a bit. Like they should have had one of some sort because it's um, like you used you, you use your mum all the time with this. Like if your mum hadn't have read the opening crawl, she'd be like, "What the is going on?" Well, that's but, it, isn't it? Yeah, you'd need you know. that
0: much more exposition. Sorry to jump in, but you, you would. You, you yeah, to, you'd need so much more exposition early on. Um, and it's we know that's why. Like, if we compare this opening to to to, to like the Phantom Menace, you know. Imagine you just land on Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, just landing on a Trade Federation ship. You're gonna be like, eh? And it just allows things to get better, and and just allows things to pick up at a pace. And and it's without that, like I said, that exposition for almost for exposition's sake. So yeah, yeah, it was a good shout that. And and, and the red font and the red Lucasfilm logo versus it wasn't. It was white or cream or whatever. It was a Soka color in the second one. So yeah. The, it was good, man. It was a surprise that. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Let's
1: talk about some char- um let's talk about a few characters as we go in and out of the plot points quickly. Um before we get onto Ahsoka and so on, let's let's talk about the uh the, the villains in the story. And the opening scene is very cool where we have Balin and his apprentice Shin who go and rescue Morgan from the um from the uh from the, the the ship that she's held prisoner on. Loads of callbacks, essentially, to previous Star Wars bits. Just in that first scene, it was like, right, okay, we need to keep the fanboys happy a little bit as we kick off this story, because we're probably going to get to some cool lore stuff where we get Anakin in future episodes and whatnot. But even some of the dialogue, like, you know, it felt very reminiscent of A New Hope and some Alec Guinness stuff and you know, you don't need to see identification and, you know, that kind of vibe. And then the corridor as he's walking down, firing lasers back at him and using the Force and whatnot. Very reminiscent of the Rogue One scene at the end with Vader walking down the corridor of the Tantive and and all that stuff. So a good introduction, do you feel, for these Dark Force users who we kind of don't know a lot about at this point in the story, but played very well, though. So Ray Stevenson, Mm. the, the late Ray Stevenson, seems to be very is almost like a dark Alec Guinness. It feels like his character feels like a very dark, old Obi-Wan uh, force user. And then Shin Heighty, who's the, his apprentice, she seems very menacing and, uh, and has got her own view on things. Clearly not a fan of, um, of Morgan after she finds out she's one of, the, you know, one of the witches. But what do you think to those guys? Good introduction, I thought.
0: I thought they were some of the best new characters that Star Wars had has had for such a long time. And I think there's so many lessons that can be learned from why they are so good. I think you've got... Something's going on with Scala or whatever she's called, Scal. Um, She reminds me of Ventress, but in such a... Like, in more of a feral way, which I think is going to be really interesting. There's, there's a story there somewhere that's going to come out. Um, but Ray Stevenson is the standout in this entire thing. Like, he is... Yeah. You know he's supposed to be a bad guy, but you know he's not. Like, you know he's not. You know he's just a Jedi that has been keeping his head down or doing something and just getting by. And, you know, I mean, how old is he? Let's assume he's sort of 50, 55 here. This is five years after Jedi, so 25 years. So he would have been, he would have only just been a knight at the end of the Clone Wars, Mm -hmm. probably. Um and it was just like the delivery of everything was just perfect. Like it was just nailed. Um you know, sympathetic, empathetic, confident, menacing but not trustworthy somehow. Everything about it mm. is perfect and I just yeah fascinating fascinating i'm really curious about what's going on with that character um yeah, yeah he was he was strong man and then yeah obviously we we with morgan and so on there's a lot to talk about there but uh i just think they're stand out those two dude
1: yeah same same and normally when you see when they introduce whether well, in the last few years anyway, when they've introduced new villains it's normally been um something that's reasonably superficial because you already know what's going on pretty much so as an example in an episode of something like um, Andor the reason why he's going to do something and somebody wants to stop him is because they're, they they want to build the Death Star and they want to wipe out all of the you know, rebel spies and, and whatnot you, you already know what's coming in the story or with the Mandalorian it's like here's a quest to go and do this thing and we know that the reason for that is because grogu just needs to learn a lesson and normally you just have a big monster do you know what i mean or you have like a group of you know a gang or something you know what i mean so but with these guys it's the complete opposite end of the spectrum it's like not only are they force users and they've got cool lights you know it's not the it's not the red lightsabers that you see from kylo ren or vader or anything they've got this kind of orangey red you know so they're it, it more than anything it's fascinating to find will be fascinating to find out exactly why they are the way they are because they have no allegiance obviously not to the they're not fans of the jedi at all but at the same time they've not they've not fully transitioned over to like full-on dark side sith or anything so what exactly is their, is their thing you can tell that there's a little bit of um on the surface motive there because when when they take morgan over to uh what was it called the um the eye of scion is it you know the where she's going to map out the um uh the the route to the other galaxy to go Mm -hmm. and get Thrawn? you can tell there's a little bit there like sith um not sith there's um his apprentice questions him and says like you know what's going on here what's the you know what's going to happen once we find Thrawn? and he's like you know Pretty much, you know, we're going to get pre, we're going to rule basically a portion of the galaxy. It sounds like we're going to get, you know, rewarded with this power, to, you know, pretty much do what we want. So he's kind of he and these two or whatever they they are, they have no allegiance to Morgan, to the Jedi, to Sith. So for that reason alone, it's a very very good introduction to to a to a new villain now it's i'm not sure how this is going to play out as we get to the end of the season um because i'm not sure um i'm not sure how much stuff was filmed with ray stevenson so i i don't know if that's going to play out to a satisfying enough conclusion with those two and what's going on i have no idea but for now dude absolutely banging new villains to um to play with in this which is refreshing in a way because because everything is so aligned to everything that we've already seen in Rebels, they could have quite easily just resurrected a current um villain from the Clone Wars or Rebels. They could have quite easily done that to make it very familiar, you know? Um so that's the fact that we've got these new these new dudes knocking around is very cool. What did you think to to Morgan then? She gets rescued at the beginning by Balin. Mm-hmm. They're off to do their thing. He doesn't really know exactly what's going on. She just tasks them with going to get the star map at the same time that Ahsoka's off to get it. She's already retrieved it. But um, it, it's clear that um, Morgan is is desperate to get Thrawn back because obviously they worked together um, pre-Civil War and everything. So those two are in cahoots or were in cahoots quite a lot. So she's desperate to get him back. Probably, presumably, to get her own plans back in motion as well. She probably can't achieve all the things she wants to do without Thrawn. So that's the deal there. But she's a she's a decent. I remember the um when she was captured by Ahsoka before. Um, that she was a really good villain. There, it was visually very cool as well. They they leaned into the whole um, sort of Asian uh, um visual stuff from where, what was it that the episode, the Jedi, wasn't it? Where she goes, and mm-hmm. Ahsoka goes off to capture her. And now we see her and then she's in cahoots with, with these other dudes. So, and um, what about the revelation that she's a night
0: sister and stuff? Are you, well, did you see that coming? No, I didn't see that coming, but I like it for two reasons. Three reasons. Three. Number one, it ties everything together really nicely. Um, And it just shows acknowledgement. And I think it opens up doors as well. Um, Especially because Sabine's been possessed by them. Ahsoka's got experience with them. So that's the first reason. The second reason I like it is because if you've got to have a MacGuffin, which is going to be my third reason in a second, if you've got to have some sort of deuce-ex thing, um, like a planet, why not make it one that you know? So, like, my mum doesn't really... She doesn't give a shit. It's just a planet. It's just a power. It's just a species. It's just a cult. It's just a, uh, a creed. But the fans do know. So you sort of don't lose by making her a night sister. And the reason that I sort of say that is for reason three is that you are going to need a bit of juice sex for a villain that's not a strategic master, that's not a Jedi... Or a Sith, you are going to need another villain to be able to have something that causes a challenge to the Jedi, the Sith, and whoever Bailen and, and Scholar. So you've got the Knight Sisters are uh, force wielding magic morphos, right? So they need that. That's uh, okay. Ahsoka's super powerful. Like outside of Luke. And we don't know about much about Balin, but she she's got to be certainly one of the most powerful force wielders that we know about in this time period. So she's gonna need a challenge. There's a strategic challenge in throne, and Elspeth can't be just a go fetch it. She needs yeah. she needs to have something. So that's the point for me, is that it ties everything together. If you're going to create someone that is going to have to be able to stand up to someone that's a major well-trained force user, then you're going to need them to have something of their own. So why not make it something that the fans know, but you can introduce fresh to other people anyway? Um, So that was a really pleasant surprise. I love that she's like, yeah, my ancestors as well. And you're like, they only got wiped out like 30 years ago. You know what I mean? It's not like my uncle Ken, yeah, from Darfield... It's not like I call him my ancestor.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, yeah? The word ancestor, it just invokes a feeling
0: of like a yeah. long, long time ago, doesn't it? My Uncle like, Ken, like <laughs> 50s, I remember him. In his 50s, yeah. He's not an ancestor. Just my Uncle Ken. Auntie Sheila, though, she died. But uh, <laughs> it's fine. One less card at Christmas, but we get past it. We're good.
1: Every little helps. Every little
0: but. helps profit on that
1: but it was cool though it was cool to link her because i I didn't see that coming either no when in that um episode the jedi from the second season of mando you just assumed that she was just one of the you know one of the people looking to profit from Mm -hmm. the rise of the empire essentially you had no idea that she was um that she was one of the night sisters and so on but it's it she's certainly been um toiling away around the cauldron while she's been uh captured because she has a plan that seems pretty sweet at the minute so the plan is to obviously get the star map whack it in the stone thingy and reveal the map to the other uh, what seems to be, and there's been a bit of chat around this that i've seen um on blogs and whatnot which is a apparently a big thing for star wars and star wars fans and that is it's the first time that we've especially in canon that we've had another galaxy mentioned and potentially a visit to another galaxy outside of the one where everything mm-hmm. has taken place. That's so far. huge. So that's, that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's huge. And, uh, so the eye of Scion is the ship that she's constructed that, um, she's got the massive hyperdrive custom hyperdrive thing that she has, she's had being built with this factory the, um Ahsoka and uh and uh they, they track down at some point in the episode. And then using that ship, she's able to basically use the same um hyperspace lanes as the Pergiles um used to get rid of well, to, to transport Ezra and mm-hmm. Thrawn at the end of Rebels, which is very cool. So that's the that's the plan that she's got to to redo their their footsteps, if you like. And um you pointed this out to me yesterday, and I never clocked it. But that scene where where Balin and, and whatnot, but he puts the star map in first before Morgan gets there. When the camera pans up, you see a, a few pergils, um mm-hmm. in the sky, and I didn't clock it. I, I when I watched it the, the second time round, I I thought I heard them. I thought, can I hear the What's that noise? I'm sure it's very faint, I'm like I can hear them, but I didn't clock them. But um, I think that's just a little easter egg in itself dude because because if you blink you miss it and it's very very hard to see especially if you like like my dad who when he gets his new tv just doesn't mess with the settings it's like demo mode that you have in the shop so you never bloody see him anyway in the clouds you just see the shadows in the clouds but um so yeah the whole hyperlanes thing with the purgils dude i think that's going to be a that's going to be a thing my guess is that They'll successfully make their way to this other galaxy, and then the ship will pack up, and then they're going to have to use the perduels to get back. That's my
0: my guess with that.
1: But um, mm, interesting, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so Baddie's pretty sweet, pretty good plan from her. We'll see that pans out. One thing on that uh,
0: on the Scion. Oh yeah, that's a hyperdrive ring. <laughs> of course, it's big time, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. As soon as it panned out, it was like it's got a little Jedi ship in the middle of that, is it? Yeah, of course it is do you think that's how they're going to just get the Star Destroyer back because it's all blown to crap in it
1: exactly mate yeah yep it needs it needs um, a mechanism not just physically in the story but it needs a a narrative mechanism in order to because Mm -hmm. this has to be a two way journey right there's no point like planning for like just to get there to say hello and then you're all trapped you know it has to be a it has to be a, a route home as well and I think that's the thing
0: yeah. yeah. I think you're right on that. I'm, I'm really curious about that. Um just on that point with the, the the unknown regions, like do you think we're gonna see like okay. Let me rephrase what I was just about to say. I think this is probably where we're gonna start to see the introduction, a subtle introduction of a another species. So, you know, either something to pull out from the Vong in legends or similarities thereof, I think we'll get through to Air to the Empire with the, the threat of these other people, and then that might be the direction thereafter. You know, that's what I feel might, might come about. Alternatively, this could be the Chiss. That galaxy could be their galaxy. It could be that Chiss space. Complete bit of luck if it is. You know, let's mm. get these random whales. Just go off to hyperspace, that'd be fine. Yeah? And <laughs> Thorne's like, oh, hang on. Guess who's back? Is here?
1: Um, as luck would have it,
0: as luck would have it, I know this place. Yeah, <laughs> cracking kebabs. Actually, um, it just see yeah. Clearer though. Yeah. <laughs> so it just, I, 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 just, I can't see be, I uh, can't see it being the chiss because of that. I think it would be like, oh, that's bloody convenient. Um, so I wonder if they're just going to use this as a way because there's got to be people there. There's got to be all you know creatures there, um, and also they use the word which was really interesting. In the crawl, they used the word exile. They said mm. they're going to bring him back from exile or he's in exile, whatever that phrasing was. And he wasn't exiled. He just, I suppose he was, but not by, not in the traditional light. You're exiled because you're... It's like Ezra's, Ezra was the one that just dragged him there. He just dragged his ass there. He took him and he just, you know, he screwed him over. Um, yeah, so exile the, is like... Yoda on Dagobah, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack in that. That I think we'll start to see a lot of. And I just this other galaxy is quite is quite interesting, dude. So I know. Yeah, don't want to dwell too much on that one, but yeah, just found it interesting. Yeah,
1: you raise a good point though. Um, it would be a good opportunity to to introduce some other another species, some other dudes to knock around with. Another question might be. Is there a reason why those two haven't, off their own backs, made their way back yet?
0: You'll know because they'll pull that, the whole light. Yeah. Oh, the hybrid drive's gone. They don't have hyperdrives here in this galaxy because <laughs> they've not done hyperspace <laughs> travel. That's got to be the quick, and out, the quick out, hasn't it?
1: That's the quick one, yeah. But it could be a case of we didn't want to be rescued because we've been integrated into this tribe. And they treat us pretty well. The kebabs
0: are all right. Decent. The brew's all right. It does make you wonder, we talked about this before, (laughs) like to speculate, it does, we we said it on the last episode of Spark Rebellion, like the obvious twist is that Ezra and Thrawn work together and they've got to know each other and they're decent buddies because they've been there for what, 11 years? Um, So yeah, but I sort of hope that's not the case because it's almost too obvious a twist.
1: Almost. Yeah.
0: But that is fascinating
1: though. I'd hate for them to, I'd hate to get to that other galaxy, and it's just, you know, I don't know, things that we've seen a million times in Star Wars, you know, that'd be weird. But yes, anyway, not going to dwell on that too much, we might deep dive into that if they, if we get to another episode, and that's like a big, a big theme of those episodes and whatnot, so, okay, so a seven, actually no, um, let's talk about the, uh, the goodies then so good introduction to the the villains of the story some interesting plot points in terms of setting up the series as we go forward with this whole thing we just mentioned with the with the scion thing and hyperdrives getting back and so on the it was very different to some of the other star wars things where um i think back to to leia more than anything with this where after after the Civil War and everything, you know, when she goes off with Han, obviously, gets together with Han, has Ben, all that stuff. And she was very much, even right back to A New Hope, the, the closing ceremony where she hands out the medals and stuff, she was always very much a public figure for the rebellion and obviously the New Republic and so on. And you need characters like that I really like how they set up Sabine. We'll get onto Ahsoka in a second, but I really like how they set up Sabine in this, where you have this big um celebration on Lathal where it's like, you know, the anniversary of when, you know, we kicked the Emperor's ass sort of thing and liberated Lathal and all that stuff. And one of the people responsible, the hero almost, is Sabine Wren, and they turn around and she's not there because she's almost the antithesis of Leia, where she's a hero. And she contributed to the success of of it all, but she wants nothing to do with the limelight. She doesn't want to be recognized as a hero, anything. Just wants to, and she's in an interesting time as well. We find out later on in the episode that she was actually going to be, um, strangely, uh, in training by Ahsoka to not—I don't know—not to be a Jedi because uh, I don't know if you would class Ahsoka as a Jedi Knight at this point because. She left the order. So I don't, I'm not sure, but I guess she is. I mean, it says in the opening crawl that she, that she is a Jedi knight. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it, it's weird that the, I, I just love how they introduce Sabine and as this kind of stuck in a rut kind of thing. Doesn't want to have any limelight. She just bummed out basically that she's lost her mate, lost her, her mate Ezra, doesn't know how to get him back. And she's just sort of living on Nathal doing what she wants really. So, in terms of comparing her to the animated version of Sabine pretty much nailed the look and everything especially at the end when she cuts her hair and whatnot but the attitude and the the sass and you know some of that stuff really co- a really cool mm-hmm. introduction for her live action i mean so you're a fan of Sabine so far
0: yeah i think she was really well done man and i loved the i loved the whole Lathal stuff you know a massive surprise to see um What's his name is it Jai or Jai yeah Jai someone like that the, the his fr- Ezra's mate basically from Rebels good surprise to see him as the uh, as as one of the representatives up there really nice surprise and then Clancy Brown oh, as Ryder Azadi that was Jai That's yeah. it Jai yeah. um Ryder Azadi again didn't mm-hmm. expect that really I didn't think we would go that deep into it um and Clancy Brown is always Clancy Brown he's always minty he was um <laughs> he was but he was like the Deveronian he was a Deveronian in uh who's Deveronian in the Mandalorian season one, I think. So that was quite interesting. But yeah, he was like, you know, when you see him, you just think, well, of course it's him. <laughs> like, how could that yeah. character not be him? Like, of course it's him. <laughs> Who else would do that and be that good and look like that? So yeah, that, there was a lot about that. But there's Sabine stuff. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, they, they nailed it. I think they just nailed Sabine down. I think it's Filoni's work. I, I, think they're, 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 I think he's just carried on writing Rebels. And I think he's just mm-hmm. carried on doing it. Um, and it, I think the characters were all dialed in. Um, Hera was Hera. She was a little bit more chilled out. She still had the the reasoning. Um, she, you know, Sabine was Sabine. You can imagine it's Sabine five years in after, you know, after going through Endor and whatever else she went through back on Mandalore. And... Um, you know, losing Ezra and and sort of being elevated to this status on, on Lothal. And, you know, you can sort of see that she's, she always had that about her, a bit of grumpiness about her. And so, um, yeah, it was nice to see her reactivate. And I feel like it's what the first two episodes were. And I mean, you know, we could talk about this forever, but there's the, it was just good. They just, they, they just did her well. And there was a lot of mirroring. There was a lot of reflection um, of the scenes that we've seen throughout Star Wars, the the the, the way that they presented her with the knife in the second episode um, was similar to Kano when he cut his hair, and there was just there was a lot of symbolism in that. So I, yeah, I th- I just thought they nailed it. And weird guitar tracks, distorted guitar music in Star Wars, and I was well up <laughs> for that, mate. Well up for it.
1: Yeah, that was cool. That provided a little bit of ah, this is you know you, usually you expect the the John Williams esque. Mm stuff don't you but that was a bit of a an eyebrow razor that was like oh, okay okay that was
0: all over it man i loved that's it that's cool
1: yeah so yeah sabine was done really well um and as well, as well as trying to tie in as much as possible the the look and the vibe from the animated show it was also cool to get a bit of insight into post rebels and what she'd been up to with ahsoka before they fell out so there is a there is a slight thing Like, is she a bit like um, Finn? Is she Force-sensitive? Is that why she's, you know, she can handle herself and Ahsoka see something in her Mm -hmm. to train her sort of things. that was cool. But it was also cool to see her handle a lightsaber and obviously that was a knock-on from her having the Darksaber back Mm -hmm. in the whole Mandalore stuff. So that was all good. And as you mentioned as well, Hero was done really well. And not just the look, because obviously trying to match the look, but she was... um, a real confidence to her character. Like when they went to the the factory building a hyperdrive and they're questioning the dude and he's like, oh, I can't can't see these documents, they're locked. I don't have jurisdiction. She's like, oh, that's all right, I'm a general. I'll give you jurisdiction. You know, she's just a real yeah, yeah. quiet confidence and everything, so. And she always had then, that in
0: Rebels as well. It was, she always nailed yeah, that aspect yeah. of it. She got feisty when she had to get feisty. So, I'd yeah, I think they did such a good job. And stylistically, they were all very well done as well. Like, even down to the detail of like, um, I don't know if you notice, but the gun belt that Hera was wearing is the same style of gun belt that Han wears, um, yeah, down to the yeah. buckle. And I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they're just standard issue, you know. It was <laughs> and it, so there's loads, loads of little details about that one. Um, actually, here's a question for you because that got me thinking about the uh, the hollow room. Um, and there's so much we can talk about with this, like it's pro- we're gonna have to, I don't know, there's so much more we can talk about, but um. <laughs> The holo-room, which was very reminiscent of, of, of um, every original trilogy briefing room that we saw. Basically, the circular table, the holograms, the, the benches and whatnot. Um, you had Mon Mothma and a couple of other new governmental people in there. Like This mm-hmm. is clearly building up to potentially another war, theoretically building up to at least the First Order, clearly going to sort of link in with a lot of stuff that's gone before it. Um, how do you get around the fact that something of this magnitude, if all else was equal, instantly, the big three had been involved? Luke, Han and would instantly... Thrawn's coming back, is he? Right. We probably need... At least one or two of these guys. And you know it'd be Luke, you know it'd be Leia. Um, and mm. Hannah'd, Hannah'd be there because he'd be stubborn enough not to go. Like, how? I know you can just not say it in a Ahsoka and just be like, well, that, they, <laughs> was, they were busy doing Jedi stuff and senatorial stuff, and she was having the kid and whatever. But do you know <laughs> what I mean?
1: Yes, I know what you mean. It's, um, it's almost like the problem that Marvel has with the Avengers. It's like when something massive is kicking off, it's like, well, where are like the the, the Avengers then? <laughs> where are they? Because they're, you know, they... I, I get what you mean. And I think a little bit, just to mitigate that problem a little bit, I think it's more to do with this is a personal quest more than anything for those guys, because... Um, not so much with Ahsoka because she's she's all about the Thrawn thing because she knows that if Thrawn comes back, that's bad news for everybody. So you know she's she's with that, um, and uh, Sabine and everyone else. It's about Ezra. Yeah, exactly. So I think for those guys, you know, it's more the personal thing that I think Luke and Leia and so on they wouldn't really latch onto as much because it's Ezra. You know, they're probably like, "Well, oh, who the who the f is is Ezra?" sort of thing. So. That's probably that, but you can make a good point because the whole Thrawn thing—that's the big one.
0: So and the Jedi man, I don't know, Balan and the other one, and there's a frigging Inquisitor knocking around. Like, if three Force wielders with lightsabers turn up, like you, you literally WhatsApping Luke, aren't you?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like—is uh, anyone cosplaying this weekend? Because. These guys have These dudes up. have got the wrong coloured lightsabers, mate. Might want to have a word. <laughs> and then he's onto it. So, yeah, I, I get, I get Cause it. Because
0: they've got a little crew. Did you see Sam Whitworth's voice was on the credits?
1: Yeah. What's, I wonder what he... Maybe it's... I don't know. What did he
0: voice then? Well, everyone reckons it's Marek.
1: Oh, do you think so? Mm. Yeah, it could be, actually.
0: There's a lot of people Very... going on about uh, Starkiller.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's going to muddy the waters. Well,
0: I think that's too much. I, I totally agree, man. I think a lot of the people are going on about it just because it's Maroc and Gail and Maroc mm-hmm. and Sam Whit was on the credits. So I sort of get where they're coming from, but I think it'd be too much.
1: Yeah, no, you did. Okay. Okie dokie.
0: That's episode one. Which we could talk about forever by that, I've got like 50 more things that I could say about that, but we're just half time.
1: Oh, same dude. Same. Yeah. Okay. So seven and a half and half for me, some for you. Let's whiz through very quickly the second one, Toil and Trouble, because um, that was a bit more straightforward. We've already had the setup at this point with the first episode. The second one was more just um, uh, Sabine, really. It was focused more on Sabine on this one rather than Ahsoka. Ahsoka and um, Hera had gone off to find out what was going on with this uh, hyperdrive Sabine goes through a little bit of a mini sort of reboot of herself i guess you know she has a bit of a talking to with Hugh Yang who's voiced by David Tennant which is he's a re- that was a very cool performance really um blunt and dry to the point isn't it? dry as anything isn't he? which is really cool it's like a really good offset to the emotional stuff because um, she was stabbed by the one of the dark force users so she's repaired she's healed she's ready to rock and roll but she's like no nah, i can't do this thing with ahsoka she's got the ump still and uh hu yang's like now nah, you'll be all right just do it and um and then we have morgan who uh who is ready to rock and roll with the um with with the ship and everything the plans going to plan as it were So a bit more straightforward, this one, dude. Um, But did you have the same vibe as the first one? Did you think it was a good continuation and a a good kickoff into the rest of the series?
0: Yeah, I I felt it was... So if I was reviewing this on its own, it was slow, man. Not that much happened. There were some great fight scenes. I love the way that Ahsoka fights. I thought the fight scenes with the droids, uh, the way that she uses her lightsabers with the Force to cut the circles in the first episode. Uh, All the fight scenes are fantastic, and this carried through to this. It was great to see Hera back in the Phantom... It was great to see Herobin Hera, like you said, being confidently the general. Um, it was great to see, again, like they didn't go to Quat or they didn't go to any any other shipyard. They went to freaking Corellia. My mum don't give a shit whether they we went to Corellia or not, but we're like, whoa, they went to Corellia. And so there's all these little <laughs> things. Um, you know, the guy uh, the guy from House, I forget his name, the actor that was, that was sort of playing the, the manager, um, it was just all well done. It was clear what was going on there, but that's totally fine because it was it wasn't dragged out. it was quick, it was easy. It led to a couple of decent story points. But man, it was a slow episode. Um, and again, sort of, there was so much to like about it, like seeing the Phantom. We're gonna see the ghost, obviously I would have thought. Um, mm-hmm. but there was so much to like but it was just an episode of Rebels. And again, that's not a bad thing. I'm just, I'm just so torn on this fact that like we dwelled a lot, you know, we dwelled yeah, a lot. Yeah. And if my, if my mum doesn't know who Ezra is, she's like, well, why, why? And it, you know, so I can see why people would be, I can see why people would five out of 10 this episode. Um, Mm-hmm. For me, it's a six. I think I don't think it's anywhere near as good as the the first one, but that's only because I think I'm sort of in awe. I was in awe a little bit of the first one, being like, "Oh wow, this is awesome. Look at all these things. The second one, I think it just, the pacing was a little off. And I, I also feel that, like Ahsoka was just, even in the first episode, like just a bit of an arsehole sometimes. Like she didn't feel... I love the character and I love Rosario Dawson. It didn't feel like a Ahsoka in some places. It felt like, you know, she's got to that age where she's she was a bit Obi-Wan. She was a bit Qui-Gon. She was a bit, you know, you be, you were being, you know, you were being a bit of an arse, Sabine, so that's your lot. You know, she was being a bit mastery, which I'm totally cool with as a character art, but she was still being a bit of an arsehole. Um, so it was a, yeah, it was sort of a, it was a good episode. Don't get me wrong. And I really enjoyed it, but again, six out of ten is an average. But as a as a fan, it'd I'd probably be like a seven, seven and a half. As a non fan, it'd be a five. So I've just got to go like six, six and a half in the middle somewhere.
1: Okay, dude. Yeah, that makes sense. To, yeah, that's the same for me as well. Funny enough, um, I was going to give this one a six because, for that very reason, it felt like it felt like the first episode had given you the all of the well most of the foundational pieces that you needed to at least navigate f- through these first few episodes and then when we get to the second episode it felt a little bit like and or pace do you know what i mean it felt a bit more like okay we, we know what the baddies are up to we know what ahsoka's up to now let's focus on sabine because we need we need her character progression to be a little bit faster than the, the main narrative because we need her to pull her socks up a bit because we need like rebels Sabine in the story like quick sticks so let's get to her having that realization that actually even though they had a bit of a falling out her and Ahsoka they can just you know they just crack on so I, I like I don't like you I thought it was a good episode it wasn't terrible at all it was a good it was a good episode it was just slow down a little bit as you said and um as a result of that, you were like, right, okay, we're, we're almost recapping, this is like an extended recap of episode one in a way, especially with the scenes with Balin and Morgan because we'd established this whole thing um, with with the star map and whatnot, so we know about that, we know what's going on and it wasn't even a, a case of it was any of this is well known. We see it through the eyes of, of Balin a little bit where he says to Morgan, I don't know what you're talking about, I mean, it's, kind of rep- reminiscent of stuff that we heard in the Jedi Order, but we just dismissed it as like fairy tales and, and, and BS basically. Um and then Morgan's like, oh no, no, it's all good, trust me, no, it's all good. So we kind of had that already in the first episode. And, you know, so it really it was a in all honesty, it was a bit of a, a Sabine episode, which is not a bad thing, but yeah, just the pacing was a little bit slower. And no no new um plot points to jump off of really. Nothing really to latch latch onto, so I I would imagine episode three is going to be. I imagine it will culminate with the hyperdrive thing activating and then on you know the Eye of Scion and yeah, and off they go. I can't see them drawing this out another episode before we go to the other galaxy, because how many episodes are we are with this? Is it eight, is it eight, <laughs> ten? I think
0: it's eight, and I, it's that's my worry yeah. with this one is that it does. I didn't mind Andor the pace of it. I really didn't. Because I think as a for the type of show that was with the spy drama and everything else, I think it it needed that. It's almost like you were playing Splinter Cell. You know, and you sort of that's the that's <laughs> the jam, That's the point. Whereas um I feel like with this one we need we need to move every couple of episodes to something decent where sort of where the Mando Where the Mando goes sometimes... You know, sometimes Mando gets things resolved really quickly. And then... I want Ahsoka to avoid the other side of the Mando stuff, which is... Here's just one episode that's just a side quest. That is just basically filler. And there's maybe a little bit at the end or at the beginning that that progresses it. Um, Having said that... We did review the Patterson cut over on Spark Rebellion last week. And basically say that we as fans know absolutely nothing because the pacing on Obi-Wan Kenobi, as much as you can slate it and might dislike it, was far better than the way that the fans would have cut it as per the Patterson cut. True. So I do think we've got to believe in that um, and I think we've got to trust in that. And I I just... I just... I want the story to be one story, one cohesive, straightforward, moving story story you know and i Mm just there's so many good pieces in there you know you've got bailing that was getting truthful and sentimental about the lack of force users and basically saying it's a shame that ahsoka's gotta die and yeah i mean such a big thing such a, a throwaway comment but such a big potential plot point um you know you've got then you've got like this inquisitor that somehow survived and then you've got clearly this sort of Ventress esque sort of apprentice um You've got Thrawn and then you've got the Ezra side of things. You've also got like the Hera, you've got the Rebellion, not the Rebellion, but the New Republic stuff. Um, so the, there is a range. There's also like, where's Zeb? Do we get Zeb? Because he was in the Mandalorian and the sure as shit, not paying for that, not to use it again. So that like, there is so much to do that I don't want it to be, um, like the last thing I'd want is episode three, side quest. Two minutes at the end. Someone needs saving. Oh, guess who saved him? It's Zeb. Woo. That was the point of the episode. Like, just go <laughs> get a Zeb at the beginning. Do you know, I, I, yeah, I just hope yeah. that they're not going to do what they often do. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. A bit more of a, um. so less kind of splintered off storylines for a couple of episodes because ultimately they end up just being class as filler. Unfortunately, it's just that the way it goes, isn't it? So, um, Yeah. Um, no i read you dude a bit more of a coherent thing and also when you if they were to do that which hopefully they will it just removes the it removes the need for people to whine about it for years afterwards which is why you end up with things like the Patterson Cut for Obi-Wan and whatnot you know so um, no i read you on that one dude okay so to wrap this up then um, the first episode uh, we're going to give that um, uh, a 7-ish yeah she's rounded out to a 7 and then episode 2 Let's round that to a six. So not quite as good as the first one in terms of setting up the series and whatnot. A bit slower paced, but uh,
0: not terrible. Not terrible by any means. Uh, Looking forward to episode three, dude. Yeah, man. Um, I'm excited about it. Like I said, I just wanted to move forward. I want to get a little bit of that sassy Ahsoka back as well. And I wanted to, I just wanted to, 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 I'm hoping Sabine lightens up a little bit because you could see it a little bit in her. So I'm just, that's my hope is that we get a progressive story that um, that brings a little bit of levity to Ahsoka you know and and, uh, you know she's been wandering around I think that's partly why Sabine said you know what you're doing living on the ship sort of thing Um, so that there's a setup for her becoming a little bit brighter and a little bit lighter Um, but yes of course man looking forward to it and uh, yeah I'm looking forward to hearing how far you get with the old Rise of the Red Blade as well because that's another thing to chat through
1: indeedy yes Okay, let's stick a pin in it there for episode one of the Ahsoka Review podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to our first episode of our wee little spin-off show. Love doing these spin-off shows. We um we don't have to cover all the Star Wars news as we do on Sparkle Rebellion. We can deep dive into these uh, Disney Plus shows. Uh, if you are listening on Sparkle Rebellion, thank you very much as always, you lot. It's good to have you listening. If you are a fan of... Uh, the ahsoka show on disney plus and you want to carry on listening to our reviews make sure you like and give us a follow in your fave podcast app we're on spotify apple podcasts all of the big ones just do a search for the ahsoka um, review podcast and there's a link to this stuff over on spark rebellion as well so it's been great to have you for this first episode dude i'll see you next week
0: for the next one you will indeed looking forward to it man wednesday will come around quickly so yeah exciting times and we'll see you next week
1: Indeedy, indeedy. Until then, take care of yourself and may the Force be with you... always.